Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there and welcome to another Eurogamer newscast. Uh, this week talking about Switch 2 and the big release of the week, the month, maybe the year. It's Starfield. Joining me as ever, it's Eurogamer's news team, Ed Nightingale. Hello. Victoria Kennedy. Hello. And I'm Tom Phillips. And if you're joining us, uh, having read Eurogamer, you will have seen um, we covered some a little bit of news on Switch 2 uh, coming out of Gamescom, which if you listen to our last episode, uh, Ed and I both attended the show. Um, and a little plug. We've just posted our Eurogamer Insider podcast hosted by the brilliant Bertie, where Ed and I talk a bit more behind the scenes about what it's like to sort of go to the show and the sort of mechanics of covering it. But anyway, uh, yeah, we uh, there were there were no Switch 2 games on the show floor. It will shock you to hear. To be clear. Um, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> this is um, like you saying the small text really quickly at the end of an advert. Yes. Uh, and you will not be adversely affected by any side effects from listening to this podcast. But uh, <laughs> over the last few months, it's been clear that in the background, while Nintendo has publicly been very much talking about its 2023 slate and even some stuff that's coming at the very beginning of 2024 on Switch, it is also quietly gearing up to launch Switch 2. Uh, which is now widely expected to arrive sometime in 2024. And part of that process is showing off the console um, or developer kits for this console um, to partners to sort of give them an idea of what the console will be able to do and uh, how much power they're going to be able to draw on to make their games for Switch 2 whenever it does finally arrive. And... I spoke to a few people who uh, were aware that Nintendo was talking to developers at Gamescom. Um, and one of the demos that they were sort of using or have used to demonstrate the power of Switch 2 is um, a shiny a shiny version of um, Switch launch title, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, and to be clear, this is just a tech demo. This is not, they're not, um, <laughs> not re-releasing. Then there's no indication that they're re-releasing Breath of the Wild, but they are using a game that they have made, which obviously everyone knows. Um, and, you know, interestingly, there have been lots of 4K mods out on the internet from people emulating the game and trying to uh, make it look prettier. Uh, Nintendo used Breath of the Wild to show off what its new hardware could do. Um. Yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about that, or we can we can talk a bit about the release date, maybe. Um, I'm curious that they were showing it at Gamescom, 
just because we kind of have a very clear slate of what Nintendo's release schedule will be for the Switch for the next year or so-ish. You know, they've obviously advertised or promoted uh, the new Princess Peach game. They've spoken about Luigi's Mansion 2 getting a, is it a remaster? Just yeah, mm-hmm. not sure. yeah. Um, a re-release. So, I don't know, part of me actually, when when you sort of said that this has been demonstrated, I, I kind of thought that was almost quite early. I, don't, I, I mean, how do you guys think, given that we know that we've got like WarioWare, et cetera, coming up and we know these 2024 releases for the Switch? Well, uh, games take a long time to release and um, tune to new hardware, especially if hardware is not 100% nailed down yet, but you want to give developers a bit of a ballpark, which is why, you know... Uh, this isn't to say that you know Nintendo is specifically targeting a specific uh, technical spec at the moment. You know it, it will have a ballpark that it wants to hit, um, and it needs to let developers know so they can start work on that ballpark. Um, because a, a year is actually not that long. You know, if uh, if they're working on a game and it's coming out next year, they will want to know. Oh, can I? Will I be able to hit Switch Two when I launch this game that I was gonna? release on steam you know is it am i going to be able to put uh a game that i was going to put on last gen consoles on switch 2 am i going to be able to put a game on current gen consoles on switch 2 what's nintendo's thinking here what i've heard is that people going into uh see a bit of switch 2 were impressed by what they saw Mm. um and you know hopefully that means you know, more Switch 2 games if people are more able to work with the hardware specs that Nintendo is banding around. Um, but no, I, I don't think it's too early. I This sort of goes on to then talk about the release date. Uh, and we were talking earlier a bit about launch titles and what we might like to see or what we think would be a good launch title for Nintendo. They haven't um, put anything down on the schedule for Switch after... Presumably Q1 is Peach and Luigi's Mansion 2 re-release. Um, and and we've had a pretty good run of Switch games through what is now the final year of its life, I think, we're approaching, yeah. um, which could probably not be said for other Nintendo consoles where they were just sort of left to die a bit on the vine while Nintendo was still working on what's next. If there is a relatively short window between these final games coming for Switch and then the start of Switch 2, I think that that is actually probably quite a good idea for Nintendo. So there isn't any big sales drop off. We've started, mm. we've seen that Switch has peaked, um, but it's still selling well. Um, if Nintendo is able to launch it next year as opposed to, you know, even further down the line, I think that that's a good. It's a good move, and getting developers on board as soon as possible is a good move. So do you think then, whenever we do have potentially a next big release, I don't know what that will be, I know potentially what Ed wants it to be, but I'll let you talk about that. Do you think then this would be a cross-release, like with Breath of the Wild, it released on Wii U and Nintendo Switch? Do you think that any games that are potentially being developed for Switch 2 now, when they launch it, it will be a cross-model release? Or do you think that it's going to be like, that's the Switch done, we're now moving on to Switch 2? I think if they were going to do that with a game in the past, they've done that with a Zelda and they did it with Twilight Princess, which came out GameCube and 
Wii and then they the did Wii. it with Breath of the Wild, which came out on Wii U and Switch. And the feeling I got with those is, you know, as Nintendo, that you're probably not going to sell that many Wii U copies of Breath of the Wild. And you're probably not going to sell that many GameCube copies of Twilight Princess. In fact, they made a big deal out of the fact that you could use your waggle. Oh, yeah, because Link was right-handed. Yeah, so he could Um, be more like the player. Yeah, which meant they had to flip the whole game. But (laughs) I think that with those, there was a sense, or I I think it was talked about at the time, that there was... um, uh, there was a feeling that they sort of owed it to people who had a GameCube and who'd been, you know, because Twilight Princess was initially announced for GameCube and eventually did come out on GameCube. Same with Breath of the Wild. It was originally announced for Wii U and it did come out on Wii U. At that point, do you sort of owe it to those players? It's an interesting philosophy and I respect Nintendo for doing it. Do they feel that way about Metroid Prime 4? That they announced it such a long time ago that they now feel, even though it's coming uh so late in switch's life cycle that it is going to launch on seven year old hardware and that's to me a bit of a shame that this game will launch you know why not why not just release it on switch 2 and make it look really shiny that to me could be a game that they do on both i want to hear ed's thoughts on metroid well i i feel like yeah metroid prime 4 is the only candidate for that really i think maybe had this had tears of the kingdom not come out then maybe that would have been the obvious one um i think metro point four is is the only candidate for that but they also haven't really shown very much of it it's been very very quiet so maybe there isn't that sense of owing that to to switch owners quite as much um and the fact that it's been delayed so much i think people will expect well i feel like at, at this point people are expecting this to be a switch to game and I'm happy with that. I would much rather it came out on Switch 2 and was a great showcase for that console and it allowed the game to be the best version that it could be. Um, I guess the only console that's launched, in inverted commas, with a Metroid game was the OLED because that came out at the same time as Switch, uh, as uh, as Metroid Dread and the OLED came out together. Mm. And the OLED, to be fair, really did show off the the environments of metroid dread because it was quite dark and detailed but playing it on an oled it really helped to brighten things so it did help to sort of show off the technical aspects of the new console so in that sense maybe metro prime 4 would be a good one for um for the switch 2 in that sense and it's a bit more of a I guess, hardcore type of game than maybe, you know, a Mario Kart that, or, or an Animal Crossing that is much more open to, for everyone. So mm. maybe it's targeting that kind of audience with new hardware that, you know, that audience is more likely to spend money on that. So maybe that's more attractive. But also, just to go back to your earlier point, I guess maybe what you're implying a bit, Victoria, is that we'll switch to sort of cannibalize sales of these games that are still yet to come out. But I think there's maybe a bit of an expectation, and I would love it if it's true, that the Switch 2 will still be backwards compatible with Switch 1. So therefore, okay, there are still these games coming out, but you can still play them on your Switch 2 as well as the new ones. And then that sort of blurs the line a little bit. And I hope that there is a sense of backwards compatibility. I don't know if there is um, in reality, but I think it would be good if there is because there's such a huge library there. It sort of takes a bit of the pressure off, I guess. 
and there, there will be people who are still playing these new games out this year, even something like Tears of the Kingdom. People will still be buying it next year. Maybe they want to play that on their on their new hardware. Um, completely speculating, maybe that tech demo is a sign of upscaling older games to the new console. It won't be. Um, <laughs> but, you know, may, maybe that's a sign of, of crossover somewhere on the line. I wonder if they'll come yeah, out with Mario Kart really 9. I think I think if you if you look back at previous Nintendo consoles, they've always launched with something mass market, and I think that there is a really interesting scenario here, which we're sort of talking around the edges of, which is Switch comes out um, and sort of overlaps a bit with Switch, uh, the the current Switch, and that's good for Nintendo. It means that there isn't that big drop-off that we were talking about between the two console generations. Switch may have peaked, but Switch sales are still going. Do you then ramp up Switch to initially for core fans, maybe launch it with Metroid? Um, I, I still feel like you need something more mass market. Maybe that's Mario Kart. Maybe the the other thing is um, there hasn't been a big new 3D Mario for a very long time. Mm. The uh, Odyssey team haven't sort of poked their heads above ground for a few years, and they're clearly working on the next 3D Mario. When does that launch? Does that launch alongside the Switch? It's uh, the Switch Two. Uh, is that their big launch title? Do they do they launch it at Christmas? Maybe a little bit after Switch Two actually arrives. Um, and it's really interesting to consider the release of Wonder this year, which is the first 2D Mario in 11 years. It's clearly a big deal for Nintendo. It's a great game. I played it. It's a lot of fun. Do you uh, say Switch 2 happens to make the first half of next year? That's quite a short gap between Wonder and uh, let's say let's let's call it Odyssey 2. You know, like, do they do, do they mind that after so long, it's like buses, you know, you've had no Mario games for so long and then suddenly two arrive at the same time. <laughs> Is the popularity of Mario big enough now, especially because of the film, that they can afford to do that and they know that both will sell anyway? Oh, I hadn't considered the film being a sort of contributing factor to sales, but yeah. I mean, they did see huge sales boost across all Mario games generally whenever the film came out. For even older Mario games on the Switch, like Odyssey and things, I got a boost. And Mario Rocket, well, not Rocket League, the football one, anyway. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, maybe. And then they'll announce a sequel. Yeah. To the film. There were, uh, like, this is, this is rumor stuff now, but there was some talk about Mario Kart 9 a little while back, and then it all went quiet when they announced the Mario Kart 8 DLC schedule. But all of that DLC is tour tracks, really. So. Yeah, because well, the new tracks, they've, there was that soapy bathroom one on the last wave. And then it's the other one, Ninja, the Ninja Hideout from the first wave. I don't think they've actually introduced any other new tracks, have they? That was the Christmas theme one. Yes. Um, they are all oh, filtering through into tour. So it's kind of a shared development. I do like the bathroom one, though. You go down the... You get on the Slimy drain. pipe. Plug. Mm. <laughs> but that's, that DLC support is still ongoing until the rest of this year. Mm -hmm. So I still feel 
I don't know if that is just tiding people over or if that's a sign that they're still not ready to move on to the next Mario Kart yet. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of what other series they have that would make a good launch game. But, I mean, Animal Crossing's massive, but it feels too soon for the next Animal Crossing game. They're not going to do another Zelda unless it's a 2D one. Oh, or, or, or will it just finally... be another remake? I was going to say, if they bring Twilight Princess and Wind Waker finally and get an HD port of that onto Switch. But that's not going to be enough to show off a new console. Mm. Yeah. I like Nintendo has a habit of doing something for Zelda fans most years. And it's interesting this week we heard, right, that we're not going to get Tears of the Kingdom expansions. Yeah. Which makes me wonder then, well, what's the Zelda for 2024? Is that Ocarina of seasons and ages remaster in the style of Link's Awakening is that Wind Waker Twilight Princess it's not going to be the next big Zelda game I would imagine that they would do something smaller but something for Zelda fans mm-hmm. yeah you're you're right about I don't know Animal Crossing's been a while and that was such a massive hit for Switch I imagine that they'd want to do that on Switch 2 relatively soon um it's that was surely a timing thing, though, for that huge success. Because it came out just as we all hit lockdown. It was. It was definitely fueled by lockdown. But it is now very much a core Nintendo franchise and mm. one they'll want to have represented on Switch 2. There's been some interesting chit-chat about Smash as well. Like, what? How do you, how do you beat Smash Brothers Ultimate? Do you just re-release it? How do you beat Animal Crossing New Horizon? How do you beat Mario Kart 8? How do you beat Breath of the Wild? Like, they have <laughs> such incredible games. Like, they And, and Nintendo really always games. say, you know, they need to have an interesting gameplay thing that sparks the next idea. You know, that's that's why we don't have another, another F-Zero when we should. Um, <laughs> because they don't have a, a clear idea of what they want to do next. And so... I don't know if there's been enough time for them to come up with a brand new idea for Animal Crossing, for instance, apart from just giving us more and more. Mm. Well, I think I think for me, what I want to see from Animal Crossing on Switch 2 is for it to be run as a proper live service. And I know that that phrase makes some people feel queasy, but Animal Crossing could be an incredible live service. And I trust Nintendo not to take the piss with microtransactions and things like that. And it was a great shame to me that New Horizons was not supported longer. Um, and yes, the expansion was great, but it came too late. A lot of the hype had moved on. It's a shame that they parceled all of that up and then just dropped it and then said, that's it. Goodbye. See you later. Mm. Do something. And I know they were impacted by COVID when it launched as well. So, of course, they were limited on what they could do updating the game uh, to start off with. But Take all of that learning and putting it into something which feels like uh, a game that you will be playing still two, three years after launch. My thing, and I think we've talked about this before, is I will play Animal Crossing obsessively until the day that I don't, and then I never turn it on again. And I want to, and New Horizons pushed that day back for a long time, I think because of COVID and not being able to go outside and see people, but it eventually did come. The challenge for nintendo is making sure that you're still there on the first anniversary of the game's launch and the second one and the third one and um i i think that that is going to be it 
already is a thing and has been for a while with Nintendo games where they're trying to expand the extend the life of titles but it is going to be even more of a thing next generation when switch 2 has to hit higher visual fidelity and uh all of this stuff that takes more development resources and development time if you're seeing fewer nintendo games the ones that do launch have to last longer yeah so i think the other thing as well is that at least the last couple of nintendo consoles have always had the console itself has been a new idea so switch being the hybrid of of both and having the joy con the wii with the motion controls um you know wii u i guess was first hd i don't know and again we're, we're guessing here but i don't know if switch 2 is going to be as much of a jump or is it it's i presume it's still going to be a hybrid console it will probably still have the joy con so what is the switch 2 allowing developers to do that they couldn't do previously is it more of a just a, a smaller upgrade or is it things like okay well now you can have 4k graphics for instance or will you have an animal crossing island that doesn't slow down when you put so much on it or mm-hmm. will we have better online service to allow for that sort of thing um like what what is that improvement going to be one thing I have heard, and this is a huge rumor, is that there will Sorry. be a camera. So I don't know if they would then maybe be able to implement like augmented reality games, potentially. Because um, obviously they had that Pikmin game that I was playing earlier in the week. You know, and at the moment it's a mobile and pad, iPad, tablet game. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's got a massive frog in my throat as I started talking. Um, so I don't know, maybe that is something that it maybe could be augmented onto a Switch if it said you can now also play mobile games through this if it has a camera feature, but that is purely rumor speculatory. I have nothing to back that up. I mean, that's a fun addition. And I feel like that's, it won't get used much. It's fun. It's nice to have. I Mm. I don't think that's the sort of feature to pin an upgrade on. Mm. I feel like better graphics, better graphic capabilities so that it looks better on a big screen and can compete more readily with the likes of PS5 and Xbox X is good in that that will bring more third-party support. I I, I think what I'd like is just a better online service um, without the need for all the friend code rubbish, um, having a proper sort of Nintendo network, but a network that allows them to then do things like Animal Crossing live service as a proper online sort of not so much MMO game, but something along those lines. Or, you know, I I come back to F-Zero. They keep saying they don't know what to do with it. I'm like, just make it online. Just just let 30 people. Oh, Ed. Ed, Ed, make it online. For your own sanity, let the F-Zero dream die. It's Never let your dreams die, Ed. But, I'm going to be angel even, in shoulder. <laughs> thanks. But even like, you know, improving Mario Kart's online uh, as well, if, if they're going to go from Mario Kart, you know, what's the big improvement for that? Because we've had upside down tracks now. Um, maybe just have a better online service. Um, I, I feel like track that's editor. one area. And a track oh, editor, yes. I'd love a Mario I think Maker online is the one area that Nintendo are a little bit behind on compared to compared to other platforms. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we have uh, talked to a lot of time, 
talked for a lot of time, sorry. <laughs> I've got a frog in my throat now uh, about Nintendo Switch 2. Um, before we go, I wanted to just quickly talk about the big thing that's happening this year as opposed to the big thing that's happening next year, which is Starfield. Um, I played a little bit of it. Ed, you saw the um, Gamescom presentation, which has the start of the game. And hopefully, if uh, you are listening to this by now and you care about Starfield, you've already played the opening for yourself. And this isn't a big, fat spoiler for uh, how it opens. We'll just talk about the first hour of the game. Um, so if, if you do not want to hear about that, absolutely fair enough. Um, but we shall just talk about the opening of it. Um, saying that, I mean, I played an hour last night, but some of that was the character creator. I was going to ask how much of that how hour was much? you creating yeah. a character? Because I'll spend double that at least. So my character creator will be really... an evening plus, definitely. Um, I uh, I did spend a bit of time on it. I didn't spend as long as I would like. And I read that you can change your character later in the game anyway. So there was less of a pressure to nail it first on. I was... It was quite late when it finished downloading last night. I'm playing on Game Pass, so I was waiting for for that uh, rather than paying anything. And um, it was, yeah, quite late. So I didn't want to faff about too much with it. Um, it was, it was, it's a good character creator though. Uh, it's got plenty of options. I made a character that looks pretty okay fairly quickly, and uh, then after sort of fussing with the facial uh, attributes and everything. You then go on to choose the traits. And that, to me, that held me up a bit as well. Um, I wanted to go look online and see what was the best options to pick because some seemed more useful than others. So your background affects um, bonuses for your character in, in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um whether you're sort of more acclimatized to space or more acclimatized to being on a solid ground, whether your parents are still alive, um, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, and then some stuff about whether you're allied to factions, which as someone who's really not taken in too much of the Starfield marketing machine so far, I didn't really know, like, am I a part of some, what sounded like a religious cult? I just said, no. It's quite interesting to me that these, these, this is all in the character creator for your first run through the game presented in a way that some people are supposed to already know this stuff. I thought that was a bit odd. I mean, I felt similarly about Baldur's Gate 3 in that you have your, your, as you said, your visual character, but then you've obviously got your class and your race and then loads of other options like background things and traits. And I had no idea about any of those things. And I'm sure if you know more about D&D, it's, it's a lot more familiar to you. I had no idea about that, but I also feel like it just plays into the role-playing thing of just pick what sounds cool because they're all good in some way. Um, I don't know how that compares yet with Starfield in terms of how the options compare, but with Baldur's Gate, at least it was kind of, look, they're all pretty cool. So just go with the character that just speaks to you in some way um, and, and hope that that aligns with your play style. Did or will... Yeah in the future, either of you, or did you go for the adoring fan to get your Bethesda ball back? No? (laughs) Okay. I've seen videos and it is the most annoying character, and I do not wish to have that person on my spaceship. (laughs) 
I think it's pretty cool that Bethesda have included the Adoring Fan, though. Like, I quite like that callback. And they've obviously got the arrow to the knee callback that people have spoken about. I think they're quite funny little little inclusions. What traits did you go for yeah. then, uh, Tom? What was your background? Um, it w I went with ones where I tried to sort of role play this character, which was still very much just a person on the screen. I hadn't come up with their backstory or anything like that. And I, and I tried to, um, and I tried to think what is a character that I would actually be interested in hearing more about. So I did pick the, um, background where my parents are still alive because I thought that would open up additional storytelling and be interesting to go meet them and talk to them. Um, I can understand why some people wouldn't and would prefer a completely blank slate. Um, but I've played a lot of video games like that. So, uh, I also, <laughs> I also, I also picked the trait where you are more suited to being on planet surface rather than space, which really just affects sort of health gauge levels between the two. But as someone who really doesn't like flying <laughs> in real life, it felt quite I just thought this quite, appropriate. This quite speaks to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't remember what the third one was. You picked three. Is it true the um, one I wanted uh, to sort of get cracking. the family one that you pick? Is it not something like you then have to send 2% of your uh, like earnings or whatever back to your parents? Is that like a, one of the sort of conditions? Yes. Which I think is quite sweet. Like uh, you, if, you, you if your parents are alive, parent. I think it's yeah, if your parents are still alive, I think you send 2% of your daily earnings back to them as a sort of stipend. There's also a, one where you have a really um, expensive mansion somewhere, oh. but you then have to pay a tax on that expansion. Starfield gives you a mortgage. <laughs> I don't want that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's too real. <laughs> Can I get the RPG? But yeah, no. I want to keep as much of this money... To myself, thanks. So um, be I don't want to pay to parents. I don't want to pay taxes. <laughs> I want to buy better guns. <laughs> Sound more like space yeah. rogue pirate. Tom, what did you think of the opening in terms of the sort of scenario and the plot? Because I've seen a video of it, so I know what happens. And Bethesda games are sort of known for their openings. You know, Skyrim is, spoiler for Victoria, um, is, is being chased by a dragon. Um, Fallout 3 is really iconic as you literally start as a baby and grow up and create your character through growing up. Um, they're all really iconic and really sort of explosive openings. How did Starfield compare in that regard? Uh, I mean, you start off in a cave and then you have to shoot rocks. It's really not a, a very exciting opening. And, you know, this is a game where the title screen is this massive star in space. And you're like, wow, all the space is out there. And then you enter what is basically the set of a Doctor Who episode filmed in a quarry in Cardiff. And uh, yeah, I get what, I, maybe you're starting small, but this is, it, it's a low budget opening. Um. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm still excited to get into the, the meat of the game, but it, it, it's quite a slow start. And then when you touch the alien artifact and you get a vision, that's straight out of Mass Effect. 
that's a Prothean artifact. You know, and you touch the beacon and you get the vision of the Reapers coming. They even do it the same way. I think it's like a, it's like a, a cutscene that plays. You know, it's not in engine. It looked like anyway. I was tired last night. Maybe it is, but you get strange, spooky music, and you sort of see like a view of the galaxy. You you get strange, spooky music, and you see a zoomed out view of the galaxy in Mass Effect One, right? <laughs> when you touch the beacon, I was like, this takes me back. And then, of course, you know, you're, you're sort of then thrust into this role as the galaxy savior because you're the one that touched the beacon. Mm. <sighs> yeah, not have, it's I mean, I, I, it I've seen familiar. the I've seen the opening and I've, I've also seen openings of other Bethesda games. And they always have this moment where you kind of you're meant to kind of come to the surface and then you get this like vista and it's like, oh. And I didn't feel that in the Starfield opening. I will. I, I'm still waiting to see something in Starfield. That I feel is like whoa from the opening. But I have obviously read the reviews and things, and I gather that that is something that does come. You just have to kind of not work for it. But I, I kind of thought they would show something a bit more like that a bit earlier than they seem to have done. I mean, I guess the idea of that is is here's the big expanse of space, which doesn't look quite as exciting as a as a big fantasy world of skyrim maybe mm. or maybe they do manage to encapsulate that in an image how far did you see at games comment so it was about a 20 minute video and it showed the beginning of the game but it was cut and edited so it wasn't literally just you seeing someone seamlessly play um so we saw the opening mining bit a little bit of character creation and then a bit of the cutscene after that and then shooting some pirates um escaping the planet for a bit of space combat and then arriving on new atlantis and then it ended as you touched down on new atlantis oh yeah so you didn't actually get to i see never really atlantis. got motivation from the pirates well, I think it's actually. I think it showed you meeting um, whatever they're called. I've forgotten. Sarah is the character, mm. um, and I think you meet her to obviously talk about what's happened. And that I think that was when it ended. But it was it was sort of cut, so you didn't see too much of the journey between that. Mm. I guess to hide the loading screens. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um. So that's the opening of Starfield. Uh, I, I'm obviously going to play a lot more and I've had really good things from people who've dug into the character side stories uh, maybe they seem from what I've heard like the most exciting parts of the game yeah I'm definitely going to be playing it this week I am very excited it, yeah. to jump in and spend three hours making a character please do share your character creations with you... both of you and I will I'm going to sure. create my character at lunchtime probably and then save it and continue creating this evening. I will share it with um, I'll share it with you guys once I've tweaked it a bit, once I get the chance to do that. Because um, right now it's too rough and ready. Maybe we can all reconvene <laughs> next week and, and show them off. <laughs> Maybe we could. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, we're kind of out of time. Um, so thanks again if you've made it this far in the video it's much appreciated uh, all the audio podcast hello to you if you are still with us um 
And thank you to you guys. Ed, where can uh, people find you on social media? You can find me at Ed underscore Knights. Victoria? I am at Little Chop Shop Gal. And I'm at Tom Phillips. EG will be back with you very soon. Speak to you then. Bye-bye. See you next time. <laughs>